Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. The Word of God says in Psalm 119, verse 130, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Today's topic, first witness, first sign. I want us to consider for a few podcasts the Gospel of John. And I want to begin with the prologue of the Gospel of John and then go one step further to talk about the first witness and the first sign. Now, the reason I want to do this is because the Gospel of John really is built around the prologue. The prologue introduces the book and it gives us all of the key ideas that will be unfolded in John's Gospel. And those key ideas are related in key words. And here's at least two of the key words. Witness and second, glory. Now, there are other words in there that are key as well. Obviously, uh, the word is one. But these words, witness and glory, often appear in the Gospel of John. And in fact, John tells us in chapter 20 that the whole reason that he wrote his gospel narrative is to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, so that believing upon him, men might have eternal life. And so the whole of John's gospel is built around the concept of witness. Now, this marks John's gospel as distinct from the other three gospel narratives. The other three gospel narratives we call the synoptics, That is, that they're sort of similar. They are structured pretty much the same way, but they have different targeted audiences. For instance, Matthew talks about Jesus as the unfolding of the fulfillment of the prophecy that's found in the Old Testament scriptures. Whereas Mark is a fast-hitting action gospel that gives us little brief snapshots of the activity of Jesus, the Messiah. It's a probably Peter's memoirs, and it's focused on giving a witness to Gentiles, people that may not necessarily have any great understanding of the Old Testament, but they want to see Jesus in action. And Luke's gospel is the attempt to give us a historical account of Jesus that's been accumulated from the witnesses that he interviewed. So they all give us a snapshot of the life of Jesus and somewhat in a chronological order, although not exact. But John's gospel doesn't do that at all. John's gospel centers around the revelation of the glory of the word, the incarnate word, the Lord Jesus Christ, through various signs that he performed that manifest his glory, that manifest his identity as the Messiah. So it focuses around these seven signs, or basically eight if you include the resurrection of Christ himself, this accumulating sign. And in those signs, we'll also find Jesus taking to himself the names of deity in his various I am statements. So, so these are things to keep in mind as we read the Gospel of John. They're centered around various signs, signs of the Messiah that he did. But the first witness and the first sign is really not done by Jesus. The first witness is introduced to us in the prologue in verse 6. There was a man sent from God 
whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John 1.15, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So in the very prologue of John's gospel, we're introduced to another John, John the baptizer, the one who immersed people in the Jordan to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah and the establishment of the kingdom of God. He was sent to bear witness to the word, to the enfleshed word, whom we know is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Mary, the son of God, descendant of Abraham and descendant of David. So this key word and this key concept to bear witness, to bear witness leading to faith in Jesus as the Son of God. So let's look at the first witness and his testimony. It's found in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. And this is the testimony. This is the witness. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Now notice his first witness is a negative witness about himself. He says, I'm not who you may think I am. I'm not the Messiah. So they ask him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? That's referenced to Deuteronomy 18. And he answered, no. And they said to them, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So here's John's self-identity. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, it's very interesting that if you go back to Isaiah, to the statement that John's referencing, it reads, make straight the way of Yahweh. Or Jehovah. Now, they that had been sent from him came from the Pharisees. That was the religious party, a group that came. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, the Christ, nor Elijah, whom they're expecting to come back, nor the prophet that Moses prophesied about in Deuteronomy 18? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. Now these things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing, where he was immersing. Now here's the next thing. The next day, John writes, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming toward him. And John cries out or says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Now, you say, what what does that statement mean? We need to reference in the other Gospels 
to understand that. If you look in Luke's gospel, you'll find this narrative of the birth of John the Baptist. Remember that his own birth was a miracle, but it was a miracle using natural means. That is, his parents, who had grown old and past the age of childbearing, were supernaturally gifted and blessed by God to conceive a child in their old age. This child, John the Baptist, who is the foreordained forerunner of the Messiah. And he was born six months before Jesus was born. So we find those narratives of the Annunciation to Zechariah that he's going to be a father through Elizabeth and the Annunciation to Mary that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah. They come within six months of each other and Mary goes down to the area where John uh, was born to see her cousin, ancient cousin Elizabeth. And she was there when John the Baptist was born, the forerunner to the Christ. So John the Baptist was physically born before Jesus of Nazareth. However, because Jesus of Nazareth is the word incarnate, in other words, he existed as the word before he ever came into existence as the baby of Mary, Jesus of Nazareth. This unique person, the Lord Jesus Christ, is one who existed before John. In fact, he is the creator himself. So that's what he means when he says, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me. He has a superior, a superior status to me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Now notice John tells us why he's baptizing. We don't have to guess why John was baptizing. We don't have to guess what the meaning of John's baptism was. He was baptizing to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah, as the king of God's kingdom, and to prepare people through repentance for the reception of this one. And so to mark that repentance and preparation, they were baptized in the Jordan. John bore witness, verse 32, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So notice what's happening here. Why did John come baptizing in water? Because God told him to do so. And God directly told him not only to do so, how it was to be done, and what his meaning was, but what his relationship to the Messiah would be. You will be engaged in this activity when one day the Messiah, the one that you're the forerunner to, will appear before you. And you will see him and you will know him by this sign. The Spirit will descend upon him and will remain. And you will know that this is the one who baptizes in or with the Holy Spirit. So John says about Jesus of Nazareth, when he baptized him, I bear witness 
that I have seen this sign, and I bear witness that this one is the Son of God. Now, immediately after John says these, two of his own disciples, that is, Andrew and John the Apostle, begin to follow Jesus. And they, in turn, bring their brother or their friend to also be enlisted as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the first witness, John the baptizer, and the first sign was when the Spirit descends as a dove and remains upon the head of this one who is the Messiah. Now, all four Gospels tell us about this event of the baptism of Christ in one way or the other. But it's interesting that Matthew records it from Jesus' perspective, where Mark and Luke record it as from a witness's perspective of what was seen. And we find that in the wording, because the Matthew's statement says this, So, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, so that's immersion, he is submerged, and now he arises from it, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he, that is Jesus, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so, God the Father is testifying that Jesus of Nazareth is this unique son. But in Mark's gospel, I got those a little reversed, by the way. Matthew's is third person, but Mark's is the first person. In Mark chapter 1, and when he came up out of the water, immediately he, that is Jesus, saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven, you are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. So Matthew and Luke give us sort of the third person uh, statement, but here, the first, you, you are my beloved Son, the Father speaking directly to the Son. Now, how's that? Well, this is what Jesus actually heard, and because they heard what Jesus heard, you have the two grammatical constructions. One is a direct witness, this is what I heard, and the other, this is what we heard, was said to him. But the sign is that of the dove that came as a symbol and rested above his head. And this leads to what? To belief. The signs lead to belief that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Now, as you read the Gospel of John, you should pay attention to these signs because these signs point to Christ. And each time they point to him, they tell us something new about his character, about his mission, about his purpose. And they are pointing constantly to him, for he himself is the gospel. He is the good news. So listen to the signs. Believe in the Son.
This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.